This is the Irie Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. With me this week are two living record players playing uneven jazz records. I'm joined by Paul Jaceley. Hello. And Kate Scotchless. Hello. Thank you both for joining me this week. I am very excited to talk about comic books with you. It was just the great mega Halloween day yesterday, and now we are in the month of November, which means it's okay for you to put up Christmas lights if you really feel inclined to do so. Um, I'm legally mandated to ask a question every week, and that is, how have you been and how have comic books been? So I'm going to pitch things over to Kate. I've been good. I've been using the curbside pickup services from my local library which means that they're like quarantining the books before you come get them. And then you're get it's like contactless pickup, but I don't want to like just have the work for just like one thing at a time. So I try and order a few at a time, but I don't know what, what to read. And so I've just been going with <laughs> authors that people have recommended to me. And so mm. I'll get a haul of like four books by the same person. And because of, Melcat, our statewide international, our interlibrary loan system being down, or maybe it's back up, but it's not available by my library yet. I don't know. But mostly what they have is OGNs at my library. They don't have a lot of volumes of like image comics and stuff like that, or at least they, they seem to like, seem to get lost. There's, there's a fair number of comics that I request that then they're just like, yeah, we can't find this. So um i'm like okay so i my most recent hauls have been tilly walden books and reina talgemeyer books and both of them have been 10 out of 10 nothing but home runs so i finished reading spinning by tilly walden which is her memoir about being a young figure skater Mm -hmm. and it's fantastic i think it's especially poignant for anyone who did anything super competitive or like a sport intensely as a child Mm -hmm. um it it definitely brought back certain like feelings it was interesting like things that i thought were kind of unique to some of my experiences and i wasn't do i mean i did figure skating but not the way she was doing it um right right and so for me that was relating it to a, a different sport but it was like oh wow like the whole thing of like she for so long didn't quit because she like just didn't know she could and she felt like people were counting on her and stuff like that and then when she did quit it's like no big deal people are just like oh okay and her mom's like oh cool then we won't have to that expense anymore and she's like i was mad at myself because i it was that easy i put myself through years of like doing this stuff that i didn't want to do and it was that easy and i'm like oh Mm -hmm. yeah relatable um (laughs) And then Sisters is the second um, book in, I don't know, Goodreads calls it a series. I think you can read them in whatever order you want, but the Smile series of her memoir books um, about growing up. And this one is about her and her sister's relationship. And it's told through the lens of a car, like a road trip they took, where it was a three-week trip. road trip in like a hot van with her mom sister and brother during a very stressful period and they're already stressful despite like not counting the heat in van conditions and stuff Mm -hmm. in their family life because of um some stuff going on with her parents and this is the uh reina tegelmeyer book right yeah yeah okay and so it's really well told in like the series of like this overarching road trip but then there's like a whole bunch of series of like flashbacks that are really well timed explaining like giving more background and detail into her relationship with her sister and they really clash a lot because they're very different people and both seem very strong-willed and um i i thought it was delightful there's a reason this author wins eisner after eisner like it she's fantastic so there's a reason why she's like one of the most successful comic book creators in like the last 20 years yeah Yeah, absolutely and i only have a few of her books left to read which is disappointing to me like because i (laughs) also read drama recently um oh okay i've heard that one's really good it's very good i liked her memoirs better but Mm -hmm. i also I don't know. I, I like memoir comics a lot, like as a genre. Like I really like that um, as a 
a form of storytelling for comics. So anyway, how about you guys? What did you read? Yeah, Paul, what about you? How have, uh, how have you been? How have comic books been? Uh, comic books have been numerous. I am woefully behind on my weekly comics. So I'm struggling to catch Same. up. Uh, but luckily, uh, for those wondering, the West Michigan weather report, it is terrible outside. So I'm going to stay in and catch up this <laughs> afternoon. So it worked out in my favor. Um, Somewhere Nick's ears are burning. He knows that <laughs> someone was talking about Michigan weather. <laughs> uh, dreary would be my uh, my adjective for today. And another reason I've been behind on comics is that I've been uh, reading a ton of Judge Dredd comics, which probably is not a surprise to anybody that listens to the show regularly, but I've been reading more recent Judge Dredd. So I just finished reading the massive Day of Chaos story that John Wagner wrote that ran from 2011 to 2012 in Judge Dredd. Um, And that was a story that, uh, I guess, spoilers for a 10-year-old story. Ends with uh, a deadly virus infecting Mega City One during an election season. Um, so you know, oh. total fiction, right? Oh no! Uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, it ends up that ninety percent of the citizens of Mega City One die. Like it devastates the city. Uh, Yikes! The city's almost completely destroyed. And there's a weird implication at the end of the story that it might have all been Dread's fault, <laughs> which I kind of love. Um, but anyway, I, I read the follow-up story, which is Trifecta, which is I thought was even more interesting. Uh, the Trifecta story kind of weaves through three different 2080 strips. You have uh, the Judge Dredd story is written by Al Ewing with art by Henry Flint. And then there's a story called The Simping Detective, but an undercover detective in Meg City One who's also an undercover judge, private detective, and a simp, which in Mega City One means someone who dresses like a clown and acts like an idiot or a simpleton. So what the heck? <laughs> yes, it's a whole thing. Oh, that so that's written by Cy Spurrier with art by Simon Colby and uh, introduces the quote unquote Church of Simpology, which is a whole religion based around being a simpleton. So there's that. And then um the third story is Low Life uh, by Rob Williams and Disraeli. That's about an undercover part of the Wally Squad, which is the undercover division of the judge system. Uh that's Dirty Frank under uh uncovering a Plot by a massive corporation to take over Mega City One. Um, they built a giant city on the moon that's shaped like a shark, and they're going to launch that at Mega City One and land on top of the city. Like that's the plot. So, okay, <laughs> yes. So I, I'm just curious. Like yeah. as a British comic book writer, is it just a rite of passage to at some point write Judge Dredd? Because Sysbury or Al Ewing, Rob William. Like I, I. I <laughs> I can't now I'm like, has Karen Gillan written Judge Dredd? Has Grant Morrison written Judge Dredd? Like what other British authors do I or creators yeah. do I know that have, have they worked on Judge Dredd? Is this I, just a thing you do? It's crazy. It's, it's, yeah, like you said, it's a right of passage. Morrison, um uh Miller, um and uh yeah, even Garth Ennis, they all had uh, brief stints on Judge Dredd uh before That's they insane. came over to America. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I haven't read a ton of that stuff. But yeah, it is kind of like you work at 2000 AD and of course you you have the one Judge Dredd story you want to tell and you do that and then you mm-hmm. get hired by DC or Marvel. That's just kind of how it worked <laughs> for a while. So, um, yeah. uh, But anyway, I, I like this type of story because it's not just Dredd-centric. You get other characters being involved and the way the story evolves, you have the three different writers telling uh, stories happening at the same time, but it's part of a big plot uh, to take over Mega City 1 or what's left of it. But what's interesting is that because Judge Dredd never has been rebooted, they're able to kind of do retcons in continuity. So it's like, oh, yeah, there's this whole black ops division of the Justice Department we've never talked about because it's super secretive. And the person in charge of that is now trying to overthrow the city and the judges. So it's like you can introduce characters and say, oh, that character has been around for decades, but we just never talked about them. And now here they're finally like doing something we have to stop. So. Mm-hmm. The way the story sort of concludes, you have the three stories that kind of merge into one at the end. Uh, is I thought it was a really cool story development, and it felt different from a lot of other Judge Dredd stories I read. So I really, I really dug it. And again, uh, to have different writers and to have different takes on Mega City One, it's very funny at parts. The simping detective is a hilarious character. You have uh, Dirty Frank is a hilarious character and he runs into a sensitive Clegg, which Mike, you'll appreciate since you've know who the Clegg are, those mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. terrifying aliens. He finds one that's actually a sensitive Clegg uh, that helps him oh. out. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's good stuff. I mean, again, I, I think judge dread is daunting because it's, again, it's a 40 year old story that's never been rebooted, but 
stories like this, I think, are easy to jump into and enjoy. And of course, you will get hooked just like I did and keep reading. So, <laughs> um, I love it. And uh, so other than that, I've been trying to pick up my stuff and get caught up. I did make a point to read the final issue of Batman, the three Jokers. So Batman, three Jokers, number three, uh, written by Jeff Johns, uh, art by Jason Fabic, and uh, Brad Anderson does the colors. Uh, I got a one word review review for this and that's woof. Uh, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't. It's a it's a comic book. Batman's in it. Uh, Jason Fabic is a great artist, and uh, I I think I should maybe leave it at that. So, and if you want to know oh, more, Paul. I can. That was the most scathing Paul review I've ever heard. Yeah, same. <laughs> <laughs> it's. I'll, I'll just say this. Um, maybe it's time to reevaluate the importance of. Uh, the killing joke is a comic. You know what I mean? Like we talk about mm-hmm. the, we talk about the negative legacy of Watchmen. I think uh, Alan Moore's killing joke had a far more um, poisonous influence on contemporary comics than Watchmen. So interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I, I, it's a book that uh, I'm kind of glad I read just because it was an event. Uh, I think Jeff Johns has some interesting ideas. I don't th- think they're very well executed. Uh, but like I said, Jason Fabic draws a fantastic Batman. Uh, so yeah, uh, when it shows up on Hoopla, sure, take time for it. But other than that, you can probably wait. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I'm not going to poke and prod you anymore about that. And instead, <laughs> okay. I'm going to... Uh... I'll give a quick update here. Um, I've been doing okay. You know, uh, it's been raining because the, you know, outs or the aftermath of Hurricane Zeta, I think, are like hitting New York City. Mm-hmm. So it's just been raining. Um, but, you know, I don't leave the house anyways. It's just I get to see the rain outside the window, um, which is nice. You know, it's a little bit of change compared to like the regular sunny days. What is time? Um, but beyond <laughs> that, uh, I actually have been reading some comics. Uh <laughs> I was saying before we started recording that I've been reading a lot of Rick and Morty comics and I don't want to talk about that because they're not great and I don't, you know, whatever, but I will talk about this book that I read called Stillwater, uh, Stillwater number one. This is by Chip Zdarsky with art by Ramon K. Perez with colors by Mike Spicer. And this book seems ultra strange in that I don't know what to think about it. Um, there's a mystery about people who can't die if they're inside this city border, and what does that mean? And we we need to find out. That's that's kind of like the high level overview of this of the first issue. Um, the second issue I know just came out. I'm probably going to trade weight this because I don't like to follow mystery stories week to week. I just don't think that that works very well. So I'd rather just read it as a trade. Um, so yeah, it's it's pretty good though. I think it's a, it's a it's a good looking book, and the the premise seems like pretty fun it's very aggressive and in your face about like something's happening here and you don't really have to suss a lot of things out like it's right in your face about that so um yeah. very excited to see where this book goes when it hits the trade um <laughs> otherwise uh i just other yeah otherwise i just want to i want to give my uh one piece update so xander you go ahead and roll the clip luffy help us now okay i'm on my way right now I am at uh, chapter 965. I've been, like I said, slowly catching up. Um, Jeff in our Discord just hit chapter 900, so he's very close. And I think anybody else out there, you know, I think there's like seven weeks left. If you read 100 chapters a day for the next seven weeks, (laughs) or 100 chapters a week for the next seven weeks, you you too can also be caught up. Um, You know, One Piece is great. They're still in in Wano. For anybody who's watching or reading this... um, still in the same arc and they've been in for the past 50 chapters and from what i understand they don't leave it um by before chapter 1000 i think it's all going to come to a culmination in chapter 1000 so i'm very excited about that but anyways let's uh let's let's talk about comic books that are coming out uh pretty soon comic books are dropping on november 4th 2020 what are you both excited for this week uh i'm gonna bounce back over to you paul uh, this is an interesting week. There's a few books that pique my interest, but the books I talk about a lot. Uh, but So my pick is going to be Deceased, uh, Dead Planet number five. I know we've talked about Deceased a lot on the show. I know uh, Brian's reading it and raving about it. I really enjoy it too. This is the sort of uh, zombie story, alternate reality zombie story that Tom Taylor's writing, art by Trevor Hairsign. Um you know, there's only so much you can do with zombies. So I'm really surprised that uh, Taylor has been able to 
tell an engaging, surprising zombie story. And this is the third volume of the story. And it kind of has no end in sight. Like it's, he's been able to kind of tease this stuff along and make it interesting the whole time. Um, what I really appreciate about DC, particularly this uh, take on it, the Dead Planet one, is that they are leaning into the sort of Kirby-esque new gods root of the story, which is the reason I picked up the first issue of Deceased way back when it came out, because it's not just zombies. There, It's the anti-life equation that Darkseid was looking for that infects humanity and turns them into these zombie-like creatures. So you have the anti-life equation, you have Darkseid. The previous issue of Dead Planet, they go to New Genesis to find the life equation to cure everybody using the Mobius chair. There's boom tubes and mother boxes. You're speaking my language if you're talking that kind of Kirby New God stuff, you know? What language so, are you speaking, though, Paul? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mike, there's a whole whole world for you to explore. Uh, yeah, I read so. Mr. Miracle. I, I know what some of those words are. Yeah, sure, <laughs> that's where sure. I'm coming and, uh, from, too. A, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the stuff I like. So I, I, it's a part of the DC Universe that when you dip your toes into, it's really fascinating. And few writers really... Um, give it the attention it deserves, I think. And I appreciate Tom Taylor using that as a basis for the story. Um, without spoiling anything, if you haven't read the last issue of Dead Planet or you're waiting to catch up, the the big cliffhanger of the last issue was the, the big bad in DC who you never want to see turn into a zombie turned into a zombie. So I'm very excited to see Wait, are we, how bad things are going to get. Are zombies back in vogue? Did I miss this? Is this something in <laughs> comics that are like, we back in pop culture to being into zombies? Well, look, I mean, yeah, uh, Walking Dead ended. So DC was like, look, there's the hole to fill. You know, Walking mm-hmm. Dead's uh-huh. gone. Somebody needs their zombie fix. So. Yeah, we just did a whole episode about this. You know, we don't know. It's it's <laughs> it's a constant wave and flow. And there's a whole article about this. I think I linked it in the show notes for that episode. That's like based on the I actually checked that out. It was really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, there's like based on the current regime or whoever's ruling in the United States will determine if zombies yep. are popular or whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love that, that idea. Tracks, yeah, that tracks. I mean, I, I one thing I do like about Deceased is that it does it's it's a zombie esque story. You know, they're not literally zombies. There's a hint that you could save them since they're just infected with the anti life equation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but but the idea of the flesh eating monsters, I guess, is still at the root of the story. So yeah, yeah, yeah. they're quote quote unquote zombies. You know, gotcha. Gotcha. Well, I mean, I, I, one of these days, this is another one of those things. And I'm like, maybe I'll just sit down and read all this. But I've heard, unlike, you know, metal and, and stuff like that, I've actually heard <laughs> Deceased is supposed to be pretty good. <laughs> it's really good. I know Danny out there is listening, is, is you know, turning over um, in his chair. He's very upset <laughs> at me right now for saying that. But uh, <laughs> I've heard good things about Deceased regardless. I have, in terms of DC, which I usually never read because I haven't in forever. I was into New 52 for a hot like year when it was the new thing and I was reading new volumes of that. But otherwise I haven't read DC in forever, but the Lori Hulse Anderson wonder woman trade finally showed up on my hold. Like mm. I, I finally got it as one of my library pickups and I am excited for that. Nice. nice. Very nice. Have either of you read that one? I have not had a chance okay. to read that yet. No. That'll be my no. next thing. I come on the show to talk about that. Perfect. Awesome. Well, speaking of that, what are you excited for this upcoming week? So I scoured the list looking for things that would be a good jumping on point. And I went, man, I'm glad that the topic this week is what Kate should read, like what's good in comics right now, because I had a hard time finding something. So I decided to go with crossover number one because it is a number one in its image. And so that right there says good things to me. And there's Mm -hmm. a, a plug line from Scott Snyder telling me it's good, which more often than not is a good sign in terms of like, Uh, my interests intersecting with what he seems to review well. So this is by Donnie Cates writing and artist uh, D. Cuniff, if I'm pronouncing that one correctly, and Joff Shaw. And it's about... um, So it's a little confusing. I think they're trying not to give it away. The tagline says, imagine everything you thought was a fantasy was real and now join us in a world where reality is dead and anything is possible. But the preview pages, (laughs) yeah, like that doesn't tell you me like anything, but the preview pages, it's like um, stories are and myths are all true and they're not just true, but they're a virus and they're spreading and you get this big, cool um, artist page of, like all these superheroes and monsters, like kind of going out uh, attacking a city and the whole, anything to do with like 
stories and myths as like a central thing and like talking about those and how they affect us mm-hmm. i tend to be a sucker for so that seems up my alley but i really am very much out of my element in that i have not been paying attention to new release comics in well over a year at this point so mm-hmm. don't go out and buy this on my account <laughs> like <laughs> well talk to your friends your, who know more yeah, than i do <laughs> in your defense this is a donny cates and jeff it, shaw book which looks folks, solid the art looks nice yeah. this is i mean in donny cates jeff shaw i haven't i don't i don't know if d Cunniff, uh has done work with them before but you know this is the same team that brought you god country mm-hmm. and the paybacks and like the, those are books that were for for all intents and purposes, pretty much well received and done, yeah. you know, highly reviewed. So I think this is a safe bet, especially coming from Image. It doesn't have to do anything with Null or fucking Venom, so right. I think we're probably safe. Right. Um, because that's all the Donny Cates seems to be doing right now yeah. over at Marvel. I never finished God Country, but I did like the few issues that I read of it. Um, yeah. and I perpetually am in meaning to go back and finish it. So yeah. I think if if I had to go out, if I didn't have friends to talk to and was trying to get back into comics right now, I would of new comics. I mean, I've still been into comics, but definitely the library like backlist. Um, mm-hmm. But I think this is what I'd go pick up. Yeah. How about you, Mike? Uh, well, for me. Uh, yeah, this week was this week was weird. I have some books coming out. There's obviously all the X-Men books. Dawn of X is still upon <laughs> us. The sun seems to never fucking rise on this story. Um, no, I'm, I'm not trying to be garbage about it. I actually haven't. I'm a little bit behind on those. So I don't want to talk about any of those Dawn of X books because I am still excited. I'm still reading really hyped. But the book that I will talk about this week that I'm excited for is Sweet Tooth, The Return, number one. This is written and drawn by Jeff Lemire with um, colors by Jose Villarubia. Um, and I don't know about you but or anybody out there listening, but I loved Sweet Tooth, the original series that Jeff Lemire did way back in the day. Now, I will say the one caveat to that is I hated the idea of Sweet Tooth when it was first coming out. When it was first <laughs> announced and it was in the back of every fucking book that I saw, there were ads for it everywhere, I think, on yeah, the internet. Yeah, there were. <laughs> um, I just remember being like, man, fuck this antler kid. Like... <laughs> <laughs> and then years later, it all it was all out, and I, I grabbed it all, and I I don't remember how I read it. I read it in some capacity, and um, I read it all from beginning to end, and I cried like a baby. I genuinely like have only cried reading a handful of comics, and this was one of them. The end of it was so perfect; it was so well done, broke my heart. Um, it was wonderful. Uh, and so you know, now I love Sweet Tooth. I'm sorry for what I had done in the past. I've changed. I've learned. I'm trying to you know give back to the world. Um, I messed up, but so I'm excited about this this new number one. Um, but I do have a question about what it is. I'm going to read you guys the synopsis that you can get from the internet. Um, Sweet Tooth: The Return is a no rehash of the original series, but rather a bold reimagining of the Sweet Tooth mythology, taking elements of the original series and remixing them into something familiar but totally new: a divided world, a planet long ago past the point of devastation, and at the center of it all, a child who didn't ask to be born into any of this, but who has no choice but to try and forge some life for himself. His visions and dreams may not be real at all; they may just be fiction, but they are hope, and sometimes hope is enough. So. I'm confused because this book already came out. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I ask myself in my notes here, is, is, is Lemire doing fan fiction of his own work? Is this allowed? Um, but I, So I don't know. I'm Look, excited for this book. If, if Stephanie I, Meyer can do Twilight, <laughs> the, the reimagining from yeah, whatever yeah, it was, yeah. like, yes, absolutely. Okay, okay. This is allowed now. I don't have to be okay with it. But like it is a thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that being said, I'm not trying to like 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 shit on the book because I am excited. I am really curious to know what Jeff Lemire is going to bring to the table for this series that I think is is very sacred to a lot of people and is very, very good. Like I read it, I love it. Um to this day I still like have very fond memories of reading that book and how touching it was and how well put together it was. Um so I'm really curious to see what this is, but I'm gonna be completely honest, I'm trade waiting this because I can't do month to month with a story like this yeah. i need to i need to be able to binge it so um probably gonna trade wait it but nonetheless i'll probably grab number one just to see what it's all about um and then just wait for the rest but yeah i'm, I'm very excited for this book hmm. did you guys read I'll sweet tooth to read- at all no i was gonna say i'll have to read it at some point i remember buying the first issue when it came out because that's when i think vertigo all of their first issues were a dollar at that point mm-hmm. they were kind of doing mm-hmm. that so i grabbed the first issue when it came out and i'd only read um Essex County trilogy by Jeff Lemire, which I really like. And I still think is my favorite thing he's ever done. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, But I remember reading this and finding it 
again, it was that thing where like, this is good, but there's no way I can buy this month to month because of the pacing and just the style of story it is, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think I had a similar reaction to you, Mike, where just like, this looks just a little bit too twee or precious (laughs) for me based on the artwork. So I, I never went back to read more of it so well i i highly recommend it, it i honestly like i made a okay. mistake <laughs> it's a very very <laughs> good book okay okay i'll try uh, it yeah i mean if you can borrow it borrow it i mean i think that this is one of those things where like you can get the collections on sale sometimes for really cheap but yeah i also think it's worth full price like it's one of those books that i've been waiting to have more shelf space so i can buy like physical copies of because i sure. want it like that badly um but anyways, yeah, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to be answering the question that Kate asked myself and Paul, which is, <laughs> what are some of the best comics to be reading right now? And we have answers. So we'll be back in just a second. So today we had the first snow in East Lansing, Michigan, where I live, and the numbers of the big bad scary thing are ticking up and the temperature is ticking down and I'm getting ready to hibernate. And Mm -hmm. what I really need, I realize, is comics in my life to talk about and celebrate with my friends and to escape into, uh, to metaphorically escape the four walls of my tiny, tiny apartment that I'm definitely going to be cooped up in. And the thing is, is that I have been so out of comics because of grad school for so long that I don't even know where to begin. And it's really overwhelming. And while I want to support local shops and stuff like that, so that they are here when uh, everything goes, goes back to real life and we can uh, go just browse shops again. I don't, want to go in and browse like so i i need to call them and be like here's the thing i want can you give it to me at your curbside and so i'm hoping that you guys have some suggestions of what's good right now what's worth picking up and what is good escapist uh like good enough that it'll suck me in so that i cannot Mm -hmm. think about anything that's happening in real life for the 30 minutes it takes me to read it Sure. Okay. I mean, Paul, you you know you've you've brought two of the best people on the show. I, I mean, honestly, I, I realized. Yeah, it was a real good uh, <laughs> confluence of fates here. Yeah. So I mean, I've got a huge list, um, but and mine's all over the board. For some reason, yeah. I was looking through my notes, and it was just like manga, 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 manga. <laughs> For it's, some yeah. reason, says the <laughs> I, man I, on what was it number nine hundred something? <laughs> nine sixty five of One Piece. I mean, <laughs> I think over the years, I've come to realize that like. There's a lot more out there than just Western comics, and that's good. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, we all should experience more. Like, we should all be reading more European comics that are translated. Yeah. We should be reading more manga. It's like there are some very, very, very good stories out there. So, I, like, I, I guess just to kick things off, I will recommend the number one book that is in my pocket, which is Witch Hat Atelier. Um, this is by Komomi Shirahama. And this is a book about magical, a magical world where a little girl she she wants to learn about magic she thinks magic great she accidentally casts a spell that turns her mother to stone and she's devastated by it um and in the time that that happens she is then whisked away by this um he's this witch a trainer essentially he's like a teacher and he says you can come to my atelier where i'm training other witches to be actual witches and since you know the secret about being a witch um and casting magic um i'm going to train you otherwise these people are going to erase your memory and make you forget whatever happened um and she says okay and it's this book is so nice and it's so happy and in it it's all about like the the love and craft of drawing but it's also about magic in the whimsical nature of magic um as i've i just read volume six a couple weeks ago and if you thought that like harry potter was cool like the first harry potter book Mm -hmm. yeah i i think imagine all of the 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 wonder and fun of harry potter but instead of being jokey it's actually like practical and so like every time there's something super majestic happening in the story or the the characters discover something it's not just wow look that funny frog is now jumping out the window it's like that frog came to life and it serves a purpose in this world now like (laughs) it, it seems very serious but it's also like it fills you with just joy because the characters in the story are all little girls like they're like 
10, 11, 12 year old girls. And they, they understand like the whimsy and like innocence of the world. And so the adults they interact with are very serious because magic has consequences, but they're all bright and burgeoning. And, and they like, want to I know I killed my mother. But, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And she's very, but she's very broken up about it. And it's, it's so good. It's from beginning to end. Every volume is like a very delicate treat that you get to you take in. And I wish that there was more. And it just, it comes out very slowly because I think it's a monthly book in Japan and then they have to wait to translate it and so on and so forth. But six volumes of this are out and it is fantastic from beginning to end. Okay. I'm sold. Yes. <laughs> I did it. Top that, Paul. <laughs> That's one for Mike. All right. Uh, yeah. Let's see what I got. Um, you know, it's funny, Kate, you were saying escapism, and I'm looking at some of the stuff I recommend. It's maybe a little too close to home, <laughs> given what's I going on right now. Kent State. I'm not reading about Kent yeah. State right now. Are you no. insane? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm doubting, uh, second-guessing some of these suggestions uh, in light of that. But if you want something lighthearted and, uh, and fun, I do recommend uh, Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen which is a 12-issue series that Matt Fraction wrote with art by Steve Lieber, colors by Nathan Fairburn. Um, the trade collection of it just came out this past week, so you can grab it right now and read all of it. It's so much fun. It's uh, a Jimmy Olsen comic, but what's interesting is that Matt Fraction went back to the old sort of Silver Age Jimmy Olsen idea where Jimmy Olsen's turning into a giant turtle for some reason, or uh -huh. there's all sorts of strange <laughs> things happening. Uh, we know we like turtles and, you know, uh, especially, uh, so, um, what's interesting about this book though, is that it's on one hand, an homage to those comics at the same time, they're capturing that same sort of feel, uh, with a sort of modern twist without it being ironic. If that makes sense. It's not meta so much as it is. There's a structure and a rhythm to those comics from the sixties and we're trying to recreate that, but we know what we're doing. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about comic book formalism, I think nowadays people just assume that means a nine panel grid. <laughs> you know, yeah. thanks Watchmen. Yeah. But what's great is that <laughs> um, uh, Steve Lieber kind of does a formalist thing with the artwork that doesn't rely on that. It feels like you're looking at it like this is him experimenting with the medium of comics without being self-aware about that. So and then you also have uh, incredibly dumb, funny jokes. You know, it's it's Jimmy Olsen trying to escape assassination. Uh, he sets up a YouTube channel where he's trying to get viral videos to go uh, online. Um, and he, he runs across Batman, who's a total grump. You know, it's one of the funniest takes on Batman I've read in a long time in this book. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And uh, the, the, the ending ends in a way that resets the status quo for the daily planet in a way that I hope sticks. So even though it's a fun, frivolous book, there's a ending to it that I think is really interesting if they stick with it going forward in the Superman books. I don't know if they do, but so even if you have a passing interest in Superman or Jimmy Olsen, I think yeah. you'll find somebody to enjoy in this book. So yeah. And I do like that fraction the, a lot. Yeah. The clips I've seen from this look very hilarious, like previews and stuff like that. This book yeah. looks like a ton of fun and I've been, I've been waiting for the trade before I read it. So yeah, this Thank you for the suggestion for me too, Paul. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's fun too because I mean Matt Fraction is one of those writers where it he runs hot and cold for me. Where sometimes I think it's so smart and well done, and other times mm -hmm. he almost feels like he's not fully invested. He's on hundred percent on board with this. He's having so much fun writing this comic, and it comes through on the page. So highly recommend. That's awesome. It. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I have another suggestion. I wasn't trying to make this into a competition. I, I realized <laughs> I late. set things up. I was. Too let's late. go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well. All right. Well. Let's let's do this. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a curveball then. You know, because I've got some I got some aces. But you know what? I'll throw a curveball in here. Um, one of the the books that I really really like. Um, this is a it's it's by Box Brown. It's Child Star. Um, this is his semi-fictional pretty fictional um story about this child actor um who basically it's it's a documentary that follows his life but in comic book form and it's like one of those documentaries that you you watch where you kind of fall in and you go like is there any hope is there any light at the end of this tunnel and like as you're reading the story since you don't know who this person is you kind of don't know how it ends yeah. um to an extent um which i thought was a really interesting way to tell this story and if, i'm not like super well versed in like the last 50 years of pop culture so if this is highly <laughs> based on someone i have no idea um, um but i could yeah, see bits and pieces uh go ahead paul go ahead i was just gonna say like um it's box browns it seems like he wanted to do a 
biocomic about Gary Coleman, but without getting the rights oh. to it. You know what I mean? It's the Gary Coleman right. story. Uh, yeah. Childhood actor on sitcoms gets commercialized, gets successful. How that sort of ruins his life. So it's, it's basically the mm-hmm. Gary Coleman story in you know That's with right. a fictional right. stand-in. So yeah. Anyway, yeah. I really enjoyed I mean, this so, book too. So yeah. But yeah, that, that that being said, I mean it's 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 kind of depressing, but it's also like since it is fictional right yeah. and, and it doesn't follow gary coleman's life like one-to-one um there are like twists and bits and pieces you can kind of pull from other child actors and, and other tropes from like the 80s where you see like people trying to make success beyond the one sitcom that made them popular um and they kind of fall apart because of it so it, it's a really interesting like i think just you know magnifying glass on the way that we treat people in pop culture and then what happens to them and how if you don't see things behind the scenes, everything seems really crazy until something like this comes out. Um, I I thought it was a beautiful book, like from beginning to end, I couldn't stop reading it. Um, But that's most box Brown books for me. I was going to (laughs) say, has he had a bad one yet? I mean, (laughs) the Charlie, you know, the Charlie Kaufman or not Charlie, Andy Kaufman book. Um, was okay. okay, but that was only because I kind of already knew a lot about that story, so there wasn't a lot to like unfold for me. Um, yeah. he did take things in a slightly different direction because I think he's one of the few people to actually get an interview with Andy Kaufman's family about his story, um, which I actually like put things into a different light for me. Um, but if you've seen things like Man in the Moon, and I think there was another documentary about him, um, they all have kind of contradicting ends. Uh, right. so it's it's really you don't know who to believe which is does that add to the charlie or the andy coffin yeah. mythos like <laughs> yeah. but yeah i mean that was the only one that was maybe on like the it was an eight out of ten instead I, of a nine out of ten or ten I out of ten you know i even heard about this one so yeah that one came it came out like super under the radar huh. yeah but i've heard a lot about the child star one um i've so I've followed some newsletters and podcasts about books in general that then sometimes have these kind of box brown books seem to be make make their way into normal book world, normal, quote unquote, but like the yeah. print, yeah, the prose world. yeah, prose world more than um, some of the other ones in the same way that like the Raina Telgemeier books are talked about because right. they're they're just like they're they're Barnes and Noble end caps, you know, like. Yeah, it, well, yeah. that's because when your distributor is like HarperCollins right. or you know, first second, I think works with Macmillan or something yeah. like yeah. that. That's how that happens. But, yeah. yeah. So, um, but no, I've heard really, really good things about this one. So that'll is, I'll put yeah. it put it on the list. Yeah. I mean, Paul, were you say it was? I didn't mean to cut you off about the, oh, no. the Andy Kaufman book. I actually really like that one because you know it it kind of followed. It's almost a companion piece to the uh, Andre the Giant book where you know box brown is saying we're talking about pro wrestling in a way because it's a it's an art form that blurs reality and fiction andy kaufman mm-hmm. did the same thing with his real life and his comedy and he's also a big wrestling yeah. fan so it's like it's it's a unreliable narration in a way where it's like we don't really know what's true or not and that kind of made right. a really interesting book on the other hand i thought his cannabis book was educational but it lacked that sort of you know questioning of like is this true or not right that was basically a straightforward book about the history of the uh criminal criminalization of marijuana mm-hmm. you know yeah that's that's but, definitely true yeah so i think that one i found a little underwhelming but again i like his art style and the way he tells stories so much it was still enjoyable mm-hmm. so yeah that that book is wild because it definitely feels like box brown just being pissed and he's just <laughs> like let's set the fucking record straight i like weed and also you all have it wrong <laughs> right yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, still child star. I mean, again, it's you, yes. it's really hard to go wrong with a box brown book, yeah. um, because they're all very well done. Like just yeah. period. Like the guy yeah. knows what he's doing. And again, this is you know Raina Telgemeier. The craft, like, yeah, yeah. And Definitely. these people know how to make OGNs, and they know how to make them very well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess maybe we shouldn't put these people on list. It's too easy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give, give me a deep cut, Paul. <laughs> a deep cut. Um, well, here's one I actually picked up this week. I have not read the whole book yet, but I'm very excited to. It's uh, I Want You. It's a collection of comics by Lisa Hanawalt, who I think I've talked about on the show before. Uh, if you don't know Lisa's work, you at least recognize it because she did all the character designs for BoJack Horseman. Um, oh. Ooh. 
But she does her own comics. She did uh, a lot of them are sort of almost like diaries, where it's just like small little comics that she does. Or sometimes she'll do uh, articles for magazines that are illustrated, and those will be collected. Um, she did a uh, prose, not a prose book, what's the word? A fictional book that tells a story uh, called Coyote Dog Girl, which came out a couple years ago, which I really enjoyed. Uh, anyway, mm-hmm. this new book, I Want You, is a collection of zines that she published before her career took off. So it's stuff that she did in her 20s. And what I like about Lisa Hanawalt's work is that it's it's almost like you get a straight um, dose of her id. It's like she doesn't think too much about stuff. A lot of the comics are sort of body and uh, silly. Uh, they can be gross sometimes, but it's almost just like mm-hmm. there's no filter between her brain and what ends up on the page. And the way she kind of does that and they were able to get some distance from her work as she draws a lot of anthropomorphic animals. So you get, you know, these sort of, uh, you get poop jokes, you get sex jokes, but it's by told by animal people with animal heads and bodies. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. this weird mishmash of stuff that I really appreciate because I think a lot of creators are, are precious about their work and you don't get that sense from her. Again, like I'm mm-hmm. saying, it's, it's a straight dose of what was on her brain when she sat down in front of a blank page. And I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. The immediacy, especially since these are stories that she did as zines where it's like, you maybe don't have to worry about a big audience and you kind of be a little bit more loose with your work. So I'm just flipping through the book right now. And yeah, it might not be everyone's cup of tea because it is a little, uh, um, uh, some blue humor, uh, to put it mildly, but, but I really mm-hmm. enjoy that. So, uh, I think it's worth a look. Yeah, this is this is from Drawn and Quarterly. Uh, yes, I they, think. they collected this stuff. Yep, yep, and it just came out yeah. last week, so I, I just grabbed it from the shop. So, yeah, those those publishers like Drawn and Quarterly and Fantagraphics. Sometimes they put out collections for stuff, and I'm just like, fucking, where do you find these these people? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and like yeah. that's that's really weird for me to say, but like it, I would have never, you know, I don't think I would have heard of Lisa Hanawalt if it wasn't for you know a publisher like this collecting her work um, yeah. that's unfortunate but like you know the comics world is huge and so it, it's good to see this kind of stuff getting put together even if it's like just zines and things like that like reprints for someone like you know you or i or kate to take home and put it on our shelf yeah. where we normally yeah. probably would never have had access to any of that yeah and especially since it's work that's not explicitly uh, serialized it's not a, a work that's telling a story you know what i mean it's it's just random short little yeah. comics i mean so mm-hmm. it's something you can just pick up off the shelf open to a random page, get a chuckle, and then put it back. Maybe a nice distraction from everything else at times. So That sounds perfect. Definitely. Good. There All you right, go. So Top Paul's, that, Mike. That's a deep Paul, cut. Paul's, yeah, shit. <laughs> um, okay. Let's see. Jeez, uh, now I got to go through my list again. Um, okay, so I, I did pick some webtoons. I feel like that's cheating. Um, it's because not, webtoons- though, because it's so convenient having, like when you're hunkered down to just – Go on there and have them. I love that. Right. That and that's, that's kind of that's kind of why I feel like it's cheating. But OK, so I'm going to talk about this book that Nick turned me on to. We may have talked about it on the show before, um, but it's Empyra or Empyria. I don't know how to say the name, but it's essentially like a fantasy story where there's some steampunk elements and there is some there's like fantasy elements and there's like wisp willows and and pixies and sprites and stuff and some people can see magical people and some people can't and the the line work is incredibly beautiful um like the whole story is like sad hot boys and fantasy sprites and there's one girl and there's like a whole royal wedding like thing i i I've been reading this book on and off or this, this webtoon like on and off for like the last year and a half because there've been like massive breaks. Um, and right now there's a, in the, in the story, there's this big Royal like connection of people where they're trying to match, make this one prince and this other princess, or maybe they won't and maybe they will. But then there's another girl who's been like, she snuck into the palace. It's a wild book and I'm not doing it justice, but the art alone will sell you. Like okay. if you just look at the first chapter of this, you're going to be on the floor with how beautiful the people are in this book. And then after that, the content doesn't matter. You're just <laughs> looking at beautiful people. I just had this conversation <laughs> yesterday with someone I was handing off. So we did socially distant pumpkin carving where we basically yelled across a yard at each other while separately carving pumpkins. <laughs> sure. And, well, and wearing masks and everything. And I brought a... Um, on a sunbeam that we talked about on the show to him yeah yeah and was like you have to read this and i was having that talk about like listen the story 
it's going to meander, but the art will make you not care what's happening in the story. It's just so mm-hmm. good. Like, look at the first page and you'll read it. And he is not usually a comics reader, but I think he'll read it because of because of that. It's just so gorgeous. I mean, you see the flying fish ship in that. Yeah, book, exactly. And you've got your soul. You're sold, right? But so Empire is, is interesting. There, There is more to it. There's. There's some really good character building um, that people have like dark brooding histories where some bad shit happened and they're just trying to survive. Um, but it's good. It's it's I think it's a it's a pretty easy read. And it, the, the art is incredibly pretty. It's not just the people. The art is very well done. Um, like there, at one point, there's a break because the artist had like some hand surgery. And I was like, sweet God, we cannot lose mm-hmm. this person. Uh, who, where do I have to put money to make sure that their hand is OK? <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's a very, very well done book, though. Okay. And it's on Webtoon, so it's, you know, quote-unquote free. Sold. So, um, try your turn, Paul. What do you got? <laughs> well, I know you got I, Kent I, State on your list. I dare I know. you to try to pitch it. I think <laughs> I you <know>. can. <laughs> I, may, I will say I'm halfway through Kent State, which is the new book by Durf Backdurf, who everyone knows from my friend Dahmer. Which is a fantastic um, again, book. It's just yes. like I might need to save. I might need to sit on this recommendation for like two or three years. <laughs> I, maybe, I, maybe like we'll see how the next couple of weeks play out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my short pitch will be: I'm in the same boat. I'm, I'm actually kind of trying to savor this book. You know, I, I okay. got it and started to tear into it. It's so well done, so well researched. I mean, he gets deep into uh, the people that were involved in the Kent State, Kent State shooting in 1970. He does a good job exploring what the cultural atmosphere of the country was at the time, particularly in uh, Ohio, where Kent State was. Um, so I'm really sort of letting myself read it bit by bit, piece by piece to fully absorb all of the work that went into it. It's a big book. It'll take you a while to read. So yeah, it's uh, but it's also one that maybe too close to the surface, given the per- current political situation. We'll see what so, Florida yeah. does. If, if Florida is kind to us, we might be picking up this book soon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if anything, this book is so big that you can just yeah. crush your fingers with it to try to like ignore everything else that's happening with the world. That's true. It's literally, it's like one of the biggest books on my shelf right now. It's humongous, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm glad to have like that Durf Factor of art like in huge pages. But man, it's big. Yeah, it's definitely, it's a, it's a treat. It's an investment both in money and time wise. So uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, you know, Mike, there's a couple things that we both have on our lists. Maybe we should get those out of the way. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say one of them is also kind of like um, pretty contemporarily relevant, and that's Far Sector, the Green Lantern book, uh, written by N.K. Jemison with art uh, by Jamal Campbell. And uh, I'm going to take credit for this one because I'm the one that recommended it to you, Mike. So, oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, if you, if even if you're not a Green Lantern fan or know much about Green Lantern, you can jump onto this book. I think issue nine is coming out uh, this week, so mm-hmm. the first trade shouldn't be too far away. It's I think it's only a twelve issue limited series. Um, yeah, but it's about uh, a new Green Lantern uh, who goes to a far distant part of the universe to uh, police a planet that's existed peacefully for 500 years, uh, three different races all living together. But someone ends up murdered for the first time in 500 years, and she has to investigate the murder with little you know, to go on. And there's the undercurrent that the reason these three races have been able to live together is that there's a uh, – uh, whether it's a drug or something that's suppressing individual emotions. So no one actually uh-huh. has emotions, you know? Yeah, they say it's like a genetic like thing that they put into the people so that they suppress their emotions because the reason why there was so much conflict in this area before is because mm-hmm. there was a lot of just rage and and anger that people were really short-tempered and stuff and so suppressing it has allowed them to live quote unquote peacefully for the last yeah. however many years. So then you have the Green Lantern uh, showing up whose entire power is based on emotion, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then um Underneath that, you have the implications. They haven't dug too deep into it, but there's some implied uh, history to this Green Lantern who's from Earth and was a police officer dealing with racial injustice and um, you know distrust of the police. So it is a book that's dealing with contemporary modern issues of uh, race and uh, police brutality in a science fiction setting, a hard sci-fi setting. So yeah. And that's what good sci-fi does. And I yeah. think this is a fantastic example of it. It's also one of the yeah. prettiest looking books coming out. It is a gorgeous yeah. artwork. 
So, oh my gosh, I mean, this is I don't know if you've never Kate, you've probably heard N.K. Jemison. Yeah, like she's the the she's the author on this book. So like, oh, you're already nice. there, like in terms of quality. Yeah, in the bar, like the bar is very high. Like she's a fantastic writer, and then she's doing this comic book with Jamal Campbell, and it's like one two punch of just perfectly <laughs> crafted comics, as far as I'm concerned. Um. I can't wait to get this in like a hardcover or collected edition. Like I don't, I, I've been buying it digitally, but I'm going to get a physical copy of this book. It's such a, such a fantastic read. Cool. Yeah. I have not actually read her stuff. I just have it because I know that I, I should read it and want to read mm-hmm. it, especially the broken mm-hmm. earth trilogy, but I have not gotten to it yet. Um, yeah, I, I am in the end stages of the pop sugar, uh, 2020 reading challenge, which means that Ooh, okay. I no longer can just read stuff and assume there will be a category it fits into for my checklist. I now have <laughs> to carefully pick what I'm reading so that <laughs> uh, you can check the boxes on the bingo card. Exactly, or exactly. Is, right? Like yeah. I'm almost certainly about to pick up as my next comic read, uh, Gender Queer, because I need uh-huh. a non-binary author yeah. still as one of my. Uh, God, that book's so good, though. Yeah. Very, oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Good. So, I need something okay, well, set in Japan. So maybe I'll take one of uh, Mike's manga ooh, picks out here. Okay, all right. You know what? This is what we're gonna do. I know we gotta we gotta talk about Immortal Hulk. Kate, you should just read Immortal Hulk. The end. It's great. Um, boom. Done. No, wait, you have to justify that because there's some dumb Hulk stuff out there. No. It, okay. All right. Ooh. All right. Really quick, because I do want to get to this pick, this other pick that I have. So I'm gonna okay. do one, two in a row, really quick. But so Immortal Hulk is the best horror comic you could probably pick up right now or at least the first arc of it um it's it's about bruce banner but it's and it's also about the hulk but it's also about the entire history of the hulk and how everything that he's done and everything that's happened to him has played out in such a way to create the scenario that he's in right now which sounds very obvious but when we're talking about marvel continuity that doesn't make any yeah (laughs) and al ewing has somehow made it all make sense and as someone who has read some Hulk and not all Hulk, um, he really puts you in the position to say, don't worry about the history. I'll explain what you need to know. And I'm not going to do it in a con- condescending way. I'm not going to do it in, a, in an Easter eggy way. I'm just going to lay it out to you. I'm going to explain uh-huh. why things have worked and why they haven't worked. And also I'm going to do some very gross body horror Cronenberg style <laughs> shit that is yeah. just going to weird you out. Like I'll be completely <laughs> honest. There's some gross scenes, okay, but it's very good. Like it's it's all done in a way to to do the horror stuff that you would expect out of a out of a like Cronenberg style film. And then on top of that, he does some really interesting things with the idea of life and death and what that means for someone like the Hulk who seems to be unable to die. So it's it's very good. It's very very yeah. very very good. It's one of my favorite comics coming out right now, and I. Mm-hmm. The Hulk is a character I've always loved, but I've never read much. I've always liked the idea of the Hulk more than actual hulk comics you know yeah uh and the fact that with this i'm really getting a deeper sense of the character i didn't realize there were so many daddy issues involved in bruce banner's life and <laughs> yeah. he really explores that stuff um yeah so for me it's been an education in the history of the hulk at the same time it's been a really feels like a fresh unique take on the character so mm-hmm. i i i cannot recommend that book more i recommend that book to everybody and i i think it's easily one of the best comics coming out right today yeah Absolutely agree. Like, I've I've tr- like I read a lot of like Planet Hulk, and I read the you know the World War Hulk stuff, and I kind of fell off of the Hulk stuff probably like six, seven, eight years ago. Um, and then to pick this up and feel like oh he he's including everything. Oh he's he's really trying to make this all work, and he's also telling a compelling story. It's not just a history rehash. It's like yeah. the the history is important to the bigger story that's going on, and that bigger story is constantly getting amped up and adding more layers, and it's very interesting, and it's, for, in the, for the most part, very easy to follow, too. That is the one thing I will say. L. Ewing, it makes it very clear what's happening every single issue, and I really appreciate that because with a book like this trying to involve so much continuity at once, you could really get lost in the weeds. And he, he definitely makes sure that it's clear what's going on. Um, At least arc to arc. I think reading it month to month, I've, I've noticed it's a little bit harder to follow than like binge reading some of the back issues. But like, even then I would say it's not as hard to follow as like a, you know, Jonathan Hickman book or well, some Kieran Gillen books. Marvel and stuff, so. also usually <laughs> yeah. does a yeah. good job with the like synopsis at the beginning. Yes. Yes. That's true. 
Um, so yeah, read Immortal Hulk, the end, we're moving on. Okay. I got to talk about this book that takes place in Japan and it's fantastic. Okay. It's perfect. Here and it's go. probably the funniest comic book that you can ever read. Um, this is the way of the house husband. This is by uh, Kasuke Ono. And it is the, a comic book that follows a super assassin for the Yakuza turned house husband and what he does in his daily life. And that may not sound interesting to you, but I tell you, it is the funniest thing you could ever read because while he is a house husband who's just making dinner for his wife or going out and shopping or getting tea with the other housewives in the neighborhood, everything he describes, he describes like someone who is talking about murder and death and killing people. So when he's talking about, I had to, I had to find the guy, I got him in the corner and I put the, I put the metal to him. He's talking about killing a roach. Like, <laughs> like it's, it's things like that. Or he'll like be describing making a very complicated meal. And all you'll see is just his like whites of his eyes as he's chopping something. And there are things flying all over. And it's because it's the grease from the pan because he's frying <laughs> something like it, the way that this book is depicted every chapter, you know what the punchline is, you know, that it's not ever going to be something gruesome. And yet, the way that it's drawn and the way that it's described and the way he talks, it is, it's absurd. Um, and as the story goes on, like you, you kind of get little bits and pieces of what his past is. Cause you don't know why he's a house husband. You don't know how he went from super assassin where other gangsters in the story run away from him to like this world where he's living now. But like, it's it's great it's fantastic it's so funny and it's so easy to read like every time like there's like 12 or like 12 or 13 stories per volume because they're all really really short um but it's really fun it's it's so amazing i don't know how else to describe it if you pick up the first volume and aren't laughing your ass off like there's something wrong with you would you say it's kind (laughs) of in the same like comedy vein as um one punch man no this is way more blunt with its comedy like it's it's like one punch man is funny because it's absurd yeah way of the house husband is funny because like every every chapter has a joke there's a punchline in every chapter um and there is short there's not really an ongoing story with the exception of like they'll do little three or four chapter story arcs where like his goal is to go get an action figure from an anime that his wife really likes and (laughs) then they'll do cosplay like it's so it's so goofy Uh, Um, and you see this guy who's like six five and he's got like this these these dark glasses and he's got fucking dragon tattoos all around his back and arms and then he's wearing a little apron that has like a happy little bear on the front of it like it's it's so funny uh, and the, what's great is i mean following the creator on twitter is really fun because they they're constantly like posting clips from the tv show that's coming out because they're doing like a live action show it's just great the whole series is fun and there's like four volumes out and it's it's very pleasant and makes you just it's it's a really nice distraction if we're talking about distraction comics this one is some of the best and it all takes place in japan like in real life japan perfect <laughs> So, you know, check that box off your pop sugar uh, card. <laughs> yeah, they so they have a bunch of them that are related to like the 2020 Olympics and stuff. So it's like mm-hmm. it's um, set in Japan because it's the host of the 2020 Olympics. And I was like, oh, so we thought in January. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I guess do we want to do one more really quick? I don't know, Paul, if you have one more you could you could throw out there Oof. maybe. Um, yes, I do. I I want to recommend the Judge Dredd magazine because it's really good right now. But again, that might be too close to the surface, uh, considering my yeah, favorite yeah, yeah. my favorite strip in is in it is about the early days of the judge system when they're helping suppress riots against police yeah. brutality. So anyway, mm-hmm. I will instead recommend uh, the Department of Truth, which is the new Image series by James Tinian the Fourth, mm-hmm. art by Martin Simmons. Um, the the elevator pitch for this book is that all the conspiracy theories that you hear about, like the earth being flat or the moon landing being faked, those are all true if enough people believe in them. So there's there's a super secret department in Washington, part of the government whose job it is to make sure no one believes in those. And that's the department of truth. And uh, the book follows a new recruit to that department. The second issue just dropped, so you can jump it on onto it right away. Um, but the biggest appeal to me is that Simmons artwork reminds me a lot of Bill Sienkiewicz. So it's a crazy yeah. looking book. You know, it's a very yeah. painterly, a lot of uh, sort of distorted images. It's visually very unique um, on top of it having a great premise. So I have the second issue on top of my to read next pile, can't wait to jump into it. So I want yeah, something I brand new. Cool. Next one. 
yeah yeah i think you'll really like this book kate if just for the art um and because it's it's crazy conspiracy stuff which yeah i feel like is kind of in your wheelhouse it's but super like is, yeah i think you awesome. you really like you know you're a big fan of ray fox if i recall yeah. correctly and i think if you like ray fox you're really gonna like the look of this book okay yeah yeah i have so many things on my to read list now thanks to you guys <laughs> i really appreciate yeah. good, it good you know, and, and anybody else out there, if you have any suggestions for Kate, kind of based off of this discussion today, you know, make sure to send them into us, you know, send us an email, ircbpodcast at gmail.com, and we can we can add more things to Kate's to read list um, once she has the free time after she's, you know, got her big doctorate and she can perform heart surgery and stuff. That's what you're <laughs> Not doing, that right? kind of doctor. Oh, wait a second. She, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, this has been really cool. I'm glad that we we got some things figured out. So, Kate, I hope you, you get a chance to read some, if not all of these and you can report back to me and Paul maybe sometime in the future um, on a future episode. Yeah, that'd be cool. Because uh, I'd be really excited to hear what you think about some of those. But anyways, you know, you can you can follow us all on the internet. We're going to wrap up the show here, I guess. Uh, we can follow us all on the internet. You can follow Paul at Oh Hi Paulie. You can follow me at Mike Rappin. And you can follow the show at IRCB Podcast on Twitter and Instagram where you know the whole spiel. I, I try to post things when I can. Uh, this show as well as our many subscriber only episodes are powered by fans like you on Patreon you can go over there check out some of that exclusive audio at patreon.com slash IRCB podcast and if you haven't already please take a minute to rate and review the show I think five stars is a pretty fair review myself Uh, you can do that on Apple Podcasts Spotify or wherever you find your podcasts you can also join us on Discord at ircbpodcast.com backslash Discord and make sure to tell a friend or two about the show uh, Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all the music for our show. We can't thank them enough. Xander is a very cool guy who edits this show. And sometimes, you know, just seeing his face on the screen just warms you up. You know, it's, it's great. He's, he's a great person. Uh, I want to say thanks to Paul and Kate for being on this episode. Thanks to everyone out there who hangs out with us on Discord and listens to the show. You're all wonderful people. Thank you for supporting us after so many years. I just feel like saying that sometimes. Um, and until next time, comics are good and so are you.